It's the order of first things. Write that down, the order of first things. Notice the priorities that are presented in this verse. I love it. Well, first of all, let's say this. Write down Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Here's Paul's. Paul understood this principle. I love this. How many of you know Paul was not good at math? How many of y'all know God, Paul's not good at math? It's right in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, this one thing I do, and then he names two. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? You know, he goes, listen, this one thing I do, he said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind, and he said, I'm reaching forth to the things that are ahead. In other words, I'm always, listen to me, you're always adjusting your priorities. Anybody that goes way off extreme, that is not an adjustment. That's a leap of stupidity. You see, you understand this. Please get this. The church is, is an organization, but it's also an organism. And an organism is always breathing. So it is expanding and it's contracting. It's expanding and it's contracting. There's times when there's a lot going on. There's times when nothing's going on. Why? Because it's breathing. It's a, you've got to get a hold of that. Because there's times when, man, it seems like, wow, the house is full and everybody's excited. But then all of a sudden, we're, you know, it starts contracting now. What are, we, what are we doing wrong? What's going on with us? No, we're breathing. We're an organism. All right? Now, the order of first things out of this verse, he says, first of all, Prepare your work outside. Prepare your work outside. What does that pertain to? Well, that pertains to training. While you're here this week, you're not only hearing the word of the Lord, I'm not here just to inspire you, but I want you to be trained. Why? Because if you're trained, you can go out and you can do this yourself. And that's ultimately what I want in your life, is that you be able to do this yourself. Training. And so that we have based our life based on that. Uh, uh, our, our, our mission statement is uh, taking healing to the nations by training people to touch their world. That's our mission statement. And I've done that now because I have this, I have this anger, I have this hostility against ignorance because I believe the enemy more than, than suppressing us and depressing us, what he does is he keeps us ignorant because if we knew we would get know ourselves how to get out of depression. We would know how to get out of oppression. We'd know how to get out of defeat. We would know how to get out all those things if we only understood the principles of God and applied them to our lives. We would be our own victorious person and crown ourselves. All right, thank you very much. Training. So for us, what we do is we train in several areas. First of all, we train in relationship things, dealing with people. I mean, you know, it would be a perfect world if it just didn't have people. <laughs> Isn't that right? You know? Then we'd have a perfect church. No people. <laughs> okay, moving along. Here's another one. How to support. You know, a lot of churches don't know how to support the vision. They know how to support the pastor, but do you really know how to support the vision? Because the vision is what we're going to give an account for, not the pastor. He'll come and go. You know, they'll come and go. The leadership will come and go. But do you know how to support the vision of the house? And so God has called us to come in and do those type of things. It deals with the concept of a team. Everybody say team. All right. Another one is we teach on communication. Oh, boy. The number one battle in the body of Christ, period, is communication. 
I mean, learning how to speak, learning how to listen. How I many of you know we all know how to talk, we just don't know how to listen? Hello? And all the husbands said? Amen. Thank you very much. All right. Leadership, you know, how to help people get into their position. And, of course, understanding the spiritual realm. Listen to me. Write this down. The missing step between trusting and trying something is training. Trusting and trying something is training. How many of you know if we had some training, we could try it? How many remember the first time you prayed for somebody? You got, your mouth got dry and you got a lump up in your throat and your hands started sweating and, and, and Sonny's going, go ahead, pray. And you're going, you know, go, go ahead, go ahead, you can do it. What do I say? Oh, well, whatever God tells you to say. Well, what's that? I don't know. Sonny's not God. You know, how many of you know that, all right? Some of you thought he was. I'm just telling you in, you know. But how many of you know the first time you try something, how many of you know if you don't have the training for that, sometimes you try something and realize you're not equipped? Boy, I would like to be, I always like to be around people who cast their first demon out. Oh, man, that is a party in itself. You can bring the Dr. Pepper and chips and everything. I mean, it's a riot. Because you don't know who's getting delivered, the one delivering the person or the one that's being delivered, you know? Uh, you just don't know. I mean, it's a riot, you know? <laughs> Casting that demon out, you know? I said, man, you're doing good. Keep it up. And they go, really? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Did you pray today? Well, yeah, why? And well, Casey jumps off of him and gets on you. Okay, all right, you know. But see, for me, for me, I love to do this. I remember Bill Garrett. Some of you know Bill. Uh, I remember he was, was a new Christian and and uh, we were doing a, I, I said to him, I said, Bill, let's do a missionary trip down to Mexico. And he goes, a missionary trip? He said, I don't know anything about doing anything. I said, don't worry, I'll be with you the whole time. So we get down to Mexico and we get with the missionaries down there and they needed somebody to go with this young Mexican evangelist and me to go with, I mean, somebody else to go with the missionary. So I said, Bill, I said, Bill, you go with him and I'll go with this. And he goes, I thought you were going to be with me. I said, I'll be with you in spirit, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. And man, he's got a tale to tell you. He came in that night at midnight. He was covered with mud from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I said, what happened to you? He said, we were out in a field somewhere, and there was a big old lake, and they just drove right through it. And then we got stuck, and we all had to get out and push the van. I said, glory to God, you've been baptized on the mission field, brother. Hallelujah. Okay? Prepare your work outside. Don't be afraid to get training. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Don't be afraid. All right, here's another one. Get ready for your field. Remember I talked to you about that mystery last night? God has a field prepared for you. It may be your grandchildren. It may be your children. It may be your neighborhood. It may be a public school. It may be a Christian school. It may be somewhere God's got a field for you. Now look at this. Why? Because your field has to do with placing and positioning. Notice, the principle in the garden is this. Adam did nothing for his place. God did it all. God took Adam and he put him in his garden. God is getting you ready for your garden. He's already prepared it. Hosea, I love this one. Hosea says, there's a harvest with your name on it. There's a harvest with all around Cowboy Church, his name on it. 
and you that are watching by uh, Facebook, there's a harvest with your name written on it. Now, are you going to pursue that harvest? See, placing and positioning is very powerful. And then it says, afterward, build your house. Deals with the dwelling, things that are necessary in your life, things that will establish you, things that will make you to continue on in the things of God and in that arena here. And so it deals with the dwelling. Some of it is an actual house. Sometimes I think we do this backwards. We get married, then we go try to find a house. Okay, moving right along. When we actually should be do like the Jews, they get, they get married, but they don't live together for a year. Why? So the son can get his house in order and set up. That's the principle here from a Jewish concept. What if the church started taking our young people and saying, you two are going to get married, then let's all pull in together and be sure that they start off with the right foot. We don't do that. Okay, moving along. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It says in my notes, they'll get real quiet when you say something like that. All right, Terry. You know. The last one is establish a home. A home is different than a house, different than a dwelling. A home is marriage and family. One of the things we need to teach our young people is how to have a proper marriage. We need to teach them how to have a family. Because the reason that they got together, I always, when, when I did marriage counseling, I would say, why is God bringing you together? What does he want you to do together that you can't do by yourself? And the primary reason is that creation would continue going forward. Creation has never stopped. The day creation stops is when God dies and he doesn't die. So creation continues on. And how do we know that? Because I got a little six-month-old grandbaby, and he was created by a father and a wife. Creation continues to move on. See? And so well, the purpose of, of, of a Christian marriage is not just so we can fall in love. In fact, if, if you really get down to it, that wasn't the basis for their marriage in the Bible. It was money. The, 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 the father uh, received money for the daughter. It was, a, it, was a, it was a business deal. Oh, man, I'm popular as pork chop now. I'm telling you, man, in a synagogue. I'm telling you, you know. God told me the other day, he said, Terry, we do marriage seminars. I said, really? Do you do, how, how, tell me about your marriage seminars. He said, we do Bible marriage seminars. I said, really? I said, well, then do you teach the women they got to walk 15 yards behind the husband? He goes, no, we don't teach that. I go, then you're not teaching Bible marriage. <laughs> Amen, Terry. Keep it up. Hallelujah. I believe I will. Hallelujah. No, we're Americans. We got American marriages, right? That's right. The husband says, yes, ma'am, and that's it. <laughs> and then goes out and does anything he wants to anyway. Isn't that right, ladies? All right. Okay, moving right along here. Boy, I got out of that one. Hallelujah. You know. First, let's look at the word first in Greek. It's the first in time, the number, first in rank and value, the most important. The dictionary says foremost in place, preceding all others in number. The first thing, that which is before anything else, the beginning, the first move, fresh start, the starting point, the place of new departure, a new day. Priorities, first priorities, first putting first things first. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to start putting first things first. Would you do that? 
Now look at your neighbor and say, you're going to start putting first things first. Now, let me tell you why this is important. This is the whole basis of what, what we're doing tonight. Priorities give you the power. How many of you want power from God? How many of you want power? Raise your hands. Let's see. One, two, three, four of you. Okay. Pow priorities give you power to say no. No. Would everybody say that word with me? No. Let's say it again. It sounds so good. No. When we know what is important. See, that's the problem. If we don't know what is important, if we know what is important, we will do what is important and receive the blessings from doing what is important. Are you with me? You see, we need to understand that there are some key concerns that we need to have. First of all, we have to tell, you have to tell me what you expect of me. You have to give me an opportunity to perform what you want from me. You have to let me know the how I am doing. Now, we're Christians, right? So if a guy was screwing up, we go, man, you're doing a great job of screwing up. No, we don't do that. Why? Because we cripple people when we only tell them they're doing good when they're doing bad. Now, don't leave them there and beat them up. <laughs> Evidently, they missed a step somewhere. The line of authority is out of whack. Somewhere along the line, there's a, an alignment that's got out of place. So you've got to help them get the alignment back in place. And then you've got to be the voice that encourages them along that way. Give me guidance where I need it. That's one of the things that this generation wants. God, help me. They want fathers that will come along and not preach at them and, and yell at them and scream at them and, and tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. They want fathers who will come along and say, you're doing a good job. Now let me show you how to do it even better. You messed up here. That's all right. Don't worry about it. It's not the unpardonable sin. Let's move forward. A lot of fathers can't handle their kids making a mistake because they think it reflects them. No, it's you are responsible to help develop their guard and protect their spirit while the Holy Ghost is developing the spirit within them. They're not reliving your life. Live your own life and let them live theirs. All right, hallelujah. You see, there's always a conflict with what we want and what we have. Until you close the door of yesterday, you'll never see the door for tomorrow. See? You see, when we start seeing all of a sudden now, when we close the door to yesterday, we start giving birth to new systems for this time, this day, today, this new era. All of a sudden now, you're thinking different. All of a sudden now, you're contemplating different. All of a sudden now, your meditation is different. All of a sudden, these things are going, why? Because you've closed the door on that system there, and now you're moving into the next system of God that, is the, that looks similar to what you had, but it's, he's expanding on it. How many believe that's God's will? You see, systems produce results. How many have ever heard, let's talk about the need for prioritizing. And I'll jump on this because I got this out of a secular concept, and it's really good. 
How many have ever heard of the Pareto Principle? It's called the Pareto Principle, P-R-A-E-T-O, Principle. The Pareto Principle is this. It's called the 2080 Principle. The top 20% of your priorities will give you 80% of your results. All right? This is a study they've done. You see? Now, so when you, if you were to number one through 10, we won't take time to do it, one through 10, and you circle one and two, and then you go over here and you go three through 10, that eight, that eight over here and that two over there, that gives you your, your results. 20%. Look at it this way. Your work, 20% of the people do 80% of the organization. Finances, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Appointments, 20% of the people take 80% of the time. Leadership, 20% of the people make 80% of the decisions. Time, 20% of your time produces 80% of your results. Sermons. 20% of the message has 80% of the impact. 20, 80, 20, 80. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Because the, with 20%, it's where you're using your strengths. You're using your strengths. And when you use your strength, you produce the results, 80% of your results. But what happens to most of us is we take 80% and we only get 20% results. You know why? Because the 80% over here is your weakness. And we spend most of our time here, most of our preaching, most of our teaching, most of those concepts, we hear that again and again and again, that you need to not do this and not do that, and, and on and on and on it goes, and we keep preaching about your weakness, and you're trying to get rid of your weakness, and God said, I gave it to you for a reason. And the reason God gave you a weakness is that you would totally depend upon his grace that is sufficient for you. If I didn't have weakness, I wouldn't need Sonny in my life. But what he is 20% is helping me in my 80% weakness. You see, start focusing on your strengths. Quit worrying about your weakness. You're going to die with them anyway. But you're going to live with your strength, and you're really going to enjoy living with your strength. See? Now, let me write this down. Very important. Because here's, here's what happens. The devil attacks your strengths. That's when you know you're under attack. He's not attacking your weakness. He doesn't have to. And now that, I'm not certain that he can because he can't penetrate the grace of God when I'm depending on the grace of God. But man will attack your weakness. And the reason man attacks your weakness is because he believes that by pointing out your weakness, I'm making myself stronger. Why? Because it's important. Priorities then, if priorities give us the power to say no, then our yes is that much more powerful.